Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, thank you for being with us tonight. It is wonderful to be together on Sunday evenings to worship God. And what a wonderful period of time. Uh, many of us have had in prayer in the previous hour. Uh, what a blessing. It's just hard to, to, to verbalize the blessing, but what a blessing it is. If you'd like to open your Bibles to Mark, the second chapter, we're going to continue what we started last week and looking at some things in Mark uh, about, of course, the life of Christ, the King. And Mark brings out the fact that he is a king with power. And so we want to, to continue to look at, at that aspect of his kingdom tonight and the king that leads with power. We are thankful that the fourth and fifth grade preteen retreat had a great retreat this weekend. They're home. You'll see Fear Factor shirts scattered around. That's the group that went. I think there were 31 uh, that was actually uh, children or fourth and fifth graders on that. And uh, Brayton Williams was uh, a speaker there. And uh, we appreciate uh, him and we appreciate each one. Uh, that was a part of that, whether it was the leaders of it or those participating in it. Also, we want to just remind you that our Operation Turkey is still underway, and a lot of uh, pictures have been taken of the preachers and their families, which means a lot of people are, are going to give the $50 and etc. and each year you do so well getting these. There are 16 left, and so if this week or next week, if you, your Bible classes, a few families go together, make that happen. And also uh, through our uh, downloads and, and recording, we'd say a big thank you to Scott Christian. Uh, he heard the podcast last Sunday and he emailed us this past week and said, hey, if people outside the Mount Juliet congregation can be a part of this, my wife and I would really love to adopt one of those families. And so they're going to do that. And uh, we, have, we just have a lot of folks that... Uh, are part of our study of God's Word together and part of our worship through either live streaming or through uh, the recordings throughout the week. And uh, we appreciate each one of you and the encouragement that you give us uh, by staying in touch with us and oftentimes being involved in our ministries such as this. We do want to remind everybody that Veterans Day will be Tuesday and we will have a breakfast to honor our veterans from 8 to 10. Sign up is at Information Center. Please be sure and be a part of that. If, if uh, you are a veteran, we would love to honor you. And then just another quick reminder that Latin America Missions uh, dinner is this coming Thursday. You can ride by 6.30. The meal will start at 7. It is a catered meal, so it would really be good if we knew how many were coming. So if you can come, obviously we'd love to have you. If you can let us know by tomorrow, uh, that would be great. And you can email church at mountjuliet.org and uh, you can get that information to us or contact us, however is uh, good with you. Also, just so that you will know about it, and that way if other people are asking you about it, you can say, yeah, I've heard something about that. On December the 6th, we're going to have what we're calling a Pioneer Conference. And what it is, is a lot of folks were asking us about how we did the 12questions.net campaign. And so we decided instead of meeting individually with so many churches about it, we'd say, hey, what if we set a day aside and any of you that want to learn about this, come in and we'll be glad to teach you what we know. And so each one in the congregation that led various areas will create a panel and we will throughout that day uh, give uh, just some talks about what we did. But then the panel will do some questions and answers back and forth. And we already have... Uh, several congregations. We don't expect like a huge crowd, like hundreds. We just expect a few represent 
opportunities from various congregations. And already several congregations have already replied and said they're planning on being here. And uh, we even got an email just this past week uh, from Oklahoma City, I believe it was. And uh, a couple, I believe a preacher and an elder are going to fly in from Oklahoma City. And, and so it's just neat to see the word spread and to see people have interest. And our goal is real simple. And that is we want to encourage people to do something. We want to encourage people to, to reach out, fulfill the Great Commission, and let's begin at home to do that. Uh, that's, that's not to, to undercut or, or to belittle foreign mission work. We need to reach the whole world. But we need to also realize that probably if we have a trend right now in America, the trend right now in America is that churches are fired up about foreign missions, and right now there seems to be very little focus on reaching the souls in America. And, and we need to be balanced in that. We need to make sure that we're reaching the souls of America as well as around the world. And so that's one of the things that we hope the Pioneer Conference will do is we're not suggesting to everybody go home and do something exactly like we did it. We're just saying let's all go home and do something. Uh, let's, let's be serious about reaching the souls uh, in our area and, and let's do everything that we can do. I wish there was some magic wand we could just wave over and everybody would become a Christian. Uh, but as you know, it's doesn't work that way and so we do the best we can do of living the life and teaching and sharing the truth and loving others as God has loved them and we hope that when all that's said and done that the population of, of heaven is increased. We're looking, which by the way I know some of you are wondering why I don't have my jacket on, aren't you? Sorry, it went through your mind. I went to my sister's house this afternoon for a, a time of prayer with a young couple that had been married, and I forgot my coat at her house and so I've got to go back and get that along with my wallet, my credit cards, and everything else sometime. I hope she doesn't know that that's in the coat. If you were here this morning studying these two occasions in Jesus' life on one day is really a neat blessing just to jog your memory because this morning was a while back. Remember this morning we studied in John the fifth chapter and the man that for 38 years had had, had the infirmity and Jesus is able to come along and ask him, do you want to be made well? And he does. And you remember Jesus heals him and immediately upon Jesus' command, threefold command to arise, take up thy bed and walk. He does all three of those things. And then you remember Jesus meets up with him later in the temple. And it's almost as if Jesus says, now that was okay, but I want to tell you something much better. What about now if we talk about your soul? What about now if we can get your soul right with God? Well, in Mark the second chapter, we get to read a very similar story in that still in this story, Jesus deals with a paralytic that needs to be healed physically, but then also how Jesus brings out the fact that to offer spiritual healing always trumps anything that can be given physically. It's not to take away from the importance of helping each other physically. It's just to say that the spiritual always trumps the physical. And so we look here in Mark, the second chapter, and will you read along with me? And, and by the way, if you're borrowing a Bible out of the pew and you want to find it, it's 883 in a Bible that's in the pew. 883, we're in Mark, the second chapter. And again, Jesus entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. 
Remember how Mark is a fast-moving book and he says immediately or straightway very often because he, he moves fast through the stories? Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Remember the last few weeks, we've been talking about the fact that crowds would come, multitudes would gather because of the power that Jesus had to heal. And in verse 3, then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. I, I love this, this phrase right here. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Now, off the side here were some scribes. And some scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Notice they haven't opened their mouth yet. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has what? Power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house immediately, just like this morning, the miracle was immediate. Immediately, he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. What a story. What a story of faith. A man that needed help and he knew that there was one that could help him. I love when it says he saw their faith. In other words, it wasn't just a paralytic. This man had four good friends that helped bear one another's burdens. Here's a man that couldn't walk about and he had four friends that also had faith in the Lord. And those four friends says, we'll help you. We'll carry you. What friend do you have? that you can do something for them that maybe they can't do right now. Listen, it's a selfish life when our constant thought is what others can be doing for us and we never stop to think, what is it that we can be doing for others? Isn't it wonderful that these four men were willing to carry this man, but then please note this. And before we note it, could I ask you a question? Are you a good friend? I'm not asking you to answer out loud, but I'm asking you to answer that in your mind. Are you a good friend? And then let's ask this question. What would define a good friend? Here are four good friends. Why do we know they're four good friends? Because they're people of faith, and they brought their friend to Jesus. There could hardly be any greater definition of what a good friend is. If you can say of yourself, I'm a person of faith, and what I love to do is I love to bring friends closer to Jesus. And as they approached Jesus, they wouldn't allow a crowd that was an obstacle to stop them. 
And many of us probably remember studying this when we were children because it was really an interesting study, not only as a child, but as an adult. They couldn't get close enough to Jesus through the door, through the window, so they went up on the roof. And they began to take the roof apart and they literally lowered their friend down. That's a good friend. Whenever you won't take Whenever you can remove the obstacles to bring your friends to the Lord, what a good friend. So we see a man here that's a man of faith. We see him brought to Jesus so they could be healed. We see him surrounded by four men of faith. We see them being good friends. And then you know the story. We've just read it. The result is what? The man is healed. But before he's healed, the man is offered the greatest of healing. Your sins are forgiven. Not this moment, but in a few minutes we're going to sing a song of invitation. And I want you to really think about are your sins forgiven? That's what the Lord offers to every one of us here tonight. It's the best thing we can do for ourselves. It's to come to the Lord and let him offer the healing that only Jesus can offer. Now that brings us to a second group here, and that was the scribes. You remember that when Jesus offered to this man, I want to forgive you of your sins, you remember it was the scribes there that they were reasoning and they were thinking in their minds that this just shouldn't be said this way. Notice there again in verse 7. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Do you realize that in that one verse is something false and something true, isn't it? The something false is they said Jesus was blaspheming. That was false. He wasn't blaspheming. The something true is only God can forgive sins. And that is true. Jesus Christ was God in flesh. God the Father sent God the Son. And when God the Son ascended back into heaven, you remember he promised the apostles, I'm not going to leave you alone. We're going to send God the Spirit back down to you. Here we see their truth in the statement, only God can forgive sins. Why is that important for us to remember? If we're not careful, we begin to reason in our minds of various ways that our sins can be forgiven. And we leave God out of it. I wonder how many of us have done something wrong and then we begin to feel guilty. And then so what we start doing is we start doing right. And then our mindset is, well, if we just do right for enough time, and if we do enough righteousness, that past sin is just all of a sudden forgiven. Do you realize what that means? If you really believe that, if you really believe I've done wrong and now I just start doing right and that past sin is now forgiven, you believe you can be your own savior. In other words, this, this isn't true that only God can forgive sins. You believe you can forgive sins because you've merited it. Some way enough righteousness takes away the past guilt of sin or time. If I just do right for a year, that takes away all the guilt of past sins. Brethren, be careful. Satan is going to constantly whisper in our ear, trying to convince us of ways to leave God out of our life. Listen, we sin and we carry the guilt of that sin. 
No matter how much good we do and no matter how long we do good, we carry the guilt of the sin until we've come to the Savior for Him to forgive us. There is no volume of righteousness that will remove one ounce of the guilt of sin. There is no time, whether it's a hundred years, that will remove the guilt of sin. They spoke correctly when they said, only God can forgive sin. Jesus Christ shed his blood. Jesus is the one who says, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden. Why? He is longing to heal us. I love that verse. Um, I'm just going to quickly read out of Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. And you probably know that's hard to quickly read out of that chapter because you get in it and you want to just slow down and you want to read more. It's some of that prophetic writing about Jesus coming to this earth and, and dying for us, going to the cross like a lamb before a slaughter. But, but I want you to notice as we think about these these occasions that we've studied today in the life of Jesus where he was healing individuals. And each time he brought it around to say to both of these men, in other words, I want to heal you spiritually. And, and you remember here in the fifth verse, he says, but he was wounded. This is Isaiah 53 in verse five. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. Now here's why we turned here. Listen to this phrase. And by his stripes, we are healed. It's not by your righteousness that you are healed. It's not by length of time you are healed. It's not that you just happen to be a pretty good moral person that you are healed. It's because Jesus Christ took the guilt of my sin and your sin and he paid the price for that sin upon the cross. And it's by that crucifixion, it's by that redemption that's offered to us through the Savior that we are healed. And so the scribes, it's interesting that they did speak truth even though they didn't understand that Jesus was God. I, I, hold your finger here at Mark 2 and flip over to Mark the 12th chapter. Uh, I want us to see this. And this is an example here of the Sadducees. You know, oftentimes the, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, it's not that they all believed the same thing. They sometimes were kind of enemies of each other. But, but yet one thing that they did have in common is they had a common enemy themselves. They all disliked Jesus for the most part while he was all involved in his earthly ministry. And so this is one of those settings where they were trying to set Jesus up and they were trying to trap him. And this begins in, in Mark, the 12th chapter. Look at verse 18. And they, that's where they, of course, they didn't believe in a resurrection. The Sadducees didn't. And so they throw out about uh, the teaching from Moses that if a woman married and her husband died that she should marry the brother and so they, they throw out this scenario where if the brothers continue to die and she keeps marrying the other one until eventually she's had seven husbands now who is she going to belong to in heaven which, which man's going to be her husband in heaven and so we begin reading at 23 therefore in the resurrection, when they rise, whose wife will she be? For all seven had her as a wife. Jesus answered and said to them, 
Are you not therefore mistaken? You see, the passage we just left, the Pharisees and the scribes were mistaken. Why can they be mistaken? Why can we be mistaken? What creates mistakes spiritually in people's lives? Notice this. Are you not therefore mistaken? Why? Because you do not know the scriptures. And then he says, and let me throw out a second thing. Nor the power of God. Now we're going to read on in just a moment, but let that sink in. How can we make mistakes? Don't know the scripture. How can we make mistakes? Do not know the power of God. Those two things are a dangerous combination. Listen, Jesus Christ is not just some kind of souped up human being that, that's just this great teacher that can pull off some, some magic tricks that, that leaves everybody astounded. Listen, Jesus Christ is creator. Jesus Christ is the one that sustains us day in and day out. Jesus Christ is the only one that has ever been able to pay the guilt for people's sins. Do we know that power? Right now, if we were able to take someone that had an infirmity for 38 years, in a moment someone could miraculously heal them, everybody would leave here talking about how amazing that was. Everyone would call people tonight and say, you are not going to believe what I saw. Friends, if we had someone that was dead and, and someone raised them from the dead, everybody would talk about that power. Does it amaze you what Jesus can do spiritually? Nobody can be saved without the power of Jesus. Why do we make mistakes? We make mistakes because we don't know the Scriptures and we don't know the power of Jesus. And when we don't know the power of Jesus, we start thinking that we're pretty equal to Him. Well, we can just take care of ourselves. No, if we understand really how powerful Jesus is, we're all going to step back in humility and say, I can't do it, but I can submit myself to you and I'm thankful for you because you are what? What have we been studying this year? You are king. I am thankful and honored just to be a part of your kingdom. I fully submit to you because your power is so great. All right, let's read the rest of this and then we'll go back and finish this lesson. Here we are, Mark the 12th chapter. Let's continue reading now in 25. But when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. But concerning the dead that they rise, have you not read in the book of Moses? See, you need to read. You need to learn the scriptures is what he's saying to them. In the burning bush passage, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. You are therefore greatly mistaken. Do you realize how important every word of Scripture is? Do you realize even how important the tenses are? You see, that's what he's doing right here. He says, oh, if you knew the scripture, you would see how powerful God is because he did not say, keep in mind, Abraham died a long time ago when this was written. And Jesus, Jesus is saying, he did not say, I was the God of Abraham. I was the God of Isaac. He's saying, didn't you catch that fact that God speaks about Abraham as if Abraham's still alive? Why? Because he is. Not physically upon this earth, but in eternity, he is alive. And so what is he saying here? He's saying there's a resurrection. He's saying that souls are alive on the other side. 
Who has that power? God has that power. Someone says, I just, I just, I don't understand. Listen, if you want to understand God only from a human aspect, if you want to make God man so that you can understand every movement, go ahead, but you got a weak God. If we're going to let God be God, God is powerful. And so the Sadducees, they couldn't grasp the concept of the resurrection, or they chose to not grasp it. And there's two reasons why. He says, number one, you're not studying the Scriptures for what they say. Number two, you don't believe in the power that God really has. So back in Mark, the second chapter, we see four friends that were faithful friends. We see a, a man that came that was a faithful man that got a lot more than he bargained for that day. Not only did he arise and walk, but his sins were forgiven. But then finally, this evening, I'd like for you to notice the healer. Jesus Christ himself. Don't you just love that in verse 10 back in Mark, the second chapter? But that you may know that who? The Son of Man has what? Power on earth to forgive sins. Who is he? He's God. He is the Son of God. And he has so much power. He could... Have you really, really thought about it lately? Don't, don't hear this like, oh yeah, that's a Bible story. Hear this. He can walk on water. He really can. He can speak to a storm and calm it. He can walk up to a dead person and raise them up. He can walk up to a blind person and give them sight. He could take the, the person demon-possessed and cast the demon out. He could put strength in the legs of the paralytic. But what's that greatest power? If you have your Bible open, I want you to notice we're not going to have time to develop a whole story. I just want to give you this as an illustration and then we'll close. Do you see in your Bible beginning in verse 13? Your Bible probably calls this man in verse 14 Levi. But the first book in your New Testament calls him Matthew. Either name, it's the same man. Matthew, Levi. You remember Levi was a tax collector. And everybody else walked by his booth and all they saw was a Jew, Jews looking at a Jew that they despised because he was like a traitor. He worked for the Roman government. He was a tax collector that the Roman government gave him the right to collect taxes, but then the government would give him the right to collect a lot more taxes than what they were supposed to collect. And so it's pretty much a known fact that they were thieves. They would pay the Roman government what the Roman government expected, but they would keep all of the rest. And so they were considered by the Jews traitors. They were considered immoral people. They were considered great sinners. And yet Jesus walks by and he sees this man completely different than all the other Jews. Jesus sees a soul. And so we ask him to follow him. And he does follow him. And he's excited enough. He wants Jesus to meet all of his friends. So they have a big dinner. 
and Jesus is eating with all the friends. And the scribes and the Pharisees in verse 16 are seeing this, and at the end of verse 16 they say, how is it that they're talking to Jesus' disciple, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? And notice Jesus answers them. Jesus heard it, and he said to them, those who are well, remember this morning? Remember this morning, do you want to be made well? Those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Who's Jesus? Jesus is the great physician. He can offer healing spiritually that no one else can offer. Now, are you listening to this? Because in a church setting, it just sounds so easy and, and it sounds just makes sense. It, it sounds easy to believe. But you're going to go to school and you're going to go to work and somebody's going to talk to you about heaven. And they're going to talk to you about a loving God. And then they're going to say, well, I, I don't think everybody has to, to come through Jesus to reach the Father. And they'll start talking about the Middle East or they'll start talking about some other religions. And they'll say, I, I think God loves them all. There's only one. There's only one who can forgive sins. And he said, I am the way. That's singular. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. What's Mark 2 trying to teach us? This one that has the power to heal and, and just astonish people with his power has a much greater power and it is spiritual healing. He can bring mankind what no one else ever before or after has been able to offer man. And that is a Savior. The great physician came near dwelt among us and offers healing. If I want to make it to the Father, it's only through Him. Now notice when He said, they that are well need not a physician. You've seen people that think they're well? <laughs> I don't need anything in my life. I can take care of myself. Well, the great physician can't help you. The only ones the great physician can help are those that know they're sick and they need Him. You see, tonight we'll sing a song of encouragement. And there very well may be some here that are very sick spiritually, but perhaps won't do anything about it. Don't be that one. Long to be made well. And realize that there's only one who can make you well. And it's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He has the power to do what no one else can do. What a transformation in Matthew's life. From a tax collector to an apostle of Jesus Christ. What a transformation. That's how powerful He is.
the Lord can do things with our life that we will never be able to do without Him. And then when it's done, it's not brag on us. When it's done, it's glory be to God. Look how awesome and powerful He is. Do you have that power in your life? The power that comes only from Jesus Christ? If we can help you in any way take steps closer to God, we'd love to help you. We'd love to encourage you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to, to see you baptized into Christ. Whatever it is in your life that you need